Scripture today is 1 Corinthians 14, 1 through 12. Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God. For no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the spirit. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. The one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. Now, I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets so that the church may be built up. Now, brothers, if I come to you speaking in tongues, how will I benefit you unless I bring you some revelation or knowledge or prophecy or teaching? If even lifeless instruments such as the flute or the harp do not give distinct notes, how will anyone know what is played? And if the bugle gives an indistinct sound, who will get ready for battle? So with yourselves, if with your tongue you utter speech that is not intelligible, how will anyone know what is said? For you will be speaking into the air. There are doubtless many different languages in the world, and none is without meaning. But if I do not know the meaning of the language, I will be a foreigner to the speaker, and the speaker a foreigner to me. So with yourselves, since you are eager for manifestations of the Spirit, strive to excel in building up the church. Well, good morning. When I was at Westmont College in Santa Barbara... Uh, it was a college that had uh, students from all over the nation, and they were all parts of uh, different uh, church upbringings. And so I got to experience a lot of different church life uh, while I was in Santa Barbara uh, because of my friends. And one time I went with my buddy Darren. He lived out in Ventura, which was about 25, 30 minutes from Santa Barbara, Westmont. He said, hey, I really want you to come uh, to my church with me. My family lives out there, and we'll just spend the weekend in Ventura and and surf and go to church and do all that stuff. And so we headed out there, and and, uh, as we we were showing up to church, we were typical college students, and we were pretty late. And we came into church service, and the whole congregation uh, was standing, and they were singing at the top of their lungs, I mean, really vibrant singing, but it was in some random, unknown language. And I walked in, and I'm trying to, at first I was like, I don't know this song. (laughs) And then I was like, wait a sec, they're not singing in English, they're singing in something. And they were singing in tongues. And it was fervent, and it was vibrant, and they were going, and and quite honestly, it was kind of like a, a frenzy in the room, it was so powerful and people were were just physically being involved in the worship. And then after they were done singing, then there was this whole part where they were coming around to, to basically slay you with the Spirit, lay their hands upon you to have you receive uh, the Spirit in a powerful way. And hey brother, let us, let us bless you with the Spirit. And, and you know, they're putting their hands on me and I'm like, put your hand on me one more time, you're going to be slain in the Spirit, you know? <laughs> and, and so the whole service for me was, I was just caught up in, in basically the manifestations of the Spirit 
I was caught up in what was going on. And, and my whole focus was on all these different things that I'd never really seen before. And I, and I, missed, I missed Jesus in the middle of it all. There was no, nothing for me that drew me to, to my Messiah. And that's what's happening, I think, in Corinth. That there's a real draw into manifestations of the Spirit, specifically the gift of tongues. And Paul wants to address it to, to help the church to understand how the gifts are given and what their purpose is and how they're to be used in the church family. And, and so this morning we're going to look at this passage, chapter 14, and let me just start with this. This is a very difficult passage. And there are theologians who have wrote volumes on this. And I've read many of them. And they arrive at a different place in their understanding of what Paul's trying to get at in the gift of tongues. And personally, I just want you to know, I'm still chewing on it. I'm like, Lord, what, what do you have for us? What's your, what do you want to teach us uh, in our understanding of, of how tongues is used in the church family? What was Paul really trying to get at? And, and what does it mean uh, for us as a, as a body of Christ in the use of tongues? And so please walk with me because it's, it's, it's difficult. And I want you to be like Bereans after this morning. The Bereans in Acts, every time Paul taught, the Bereans would go out and they would study the word and see if it was true. And they would dig deeper. And I really, really want you to dig deeper uh, because it takes that for this passage. But I'm going to try to kind of share with you where I've been on my journey and my understanding of this and to give you background uh, so that hopefully we can arrive at some understanding of chapter 14 and what Paul's doing uh, in the midst of the church. You need to know something, that chapters 12 through 14 are, are really one chapter. It's, it's one flow of thought. It should just be one chapter. We break it up in the English, but it's Paul starting, and, and he just takes one deep breath, and he's like, here I go. I'm going to tell you all about spiritual gifts and, and I want you to know and this is how it plays out with love and he just keeps going. So you've got to have context going back to chapter 12, okay? As we study chapter 14. That's just being a good Bible student. So he goes back to, to chapter 12 and I want to remind you, what Paul says in chapter 12 is this. I don't want you to be ignorant about spiritual things. Uh, in, in the context, it's about spiritual gifts. I want you to be aware of what God is doing in the, in the giving of the Holy Spirit in spiritual gifts. And then he also says in chapter 12 that to each one of you who have received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, to each one of you is given a manifestation of the Spirit, a spiritual gift. And do you remember what the purpose was? Yeah, for the common, for the common good. We cannot forget that premise. We cannot forget that foundation because it plays all the way through chapter 14. 
The gifts are given for the common good, for the building up of the body of Christ. And he brings us right into chapter 13. He's like, listen, you can have all of these gifts and you can be using them, but if there is not love, then they're of no value. You're not building up the body of Christ. You're, you're becoming a person who is so drawn to the manifestation of the Spirit and how, how you can be built up. And look at what I have. And you're thinking that you're more important in your, with your gifting than others in the body. And he clearly says, we're all of the same value. And that God is the one who's given you the spiritual gifts. The Holy Spirit has poured those out upon you. And so love is to be the controlling theme that the Corinthians and that you and I are to deal with as we deal with spiritual gifts. And in the whole chapter of 14, we're going to be looking at, at this comparison between tongues and prophecy. He's going to really drive home those two things. But love and edification and building up of the body of Christ is the goal. Period. And if there's one thing that I'm sure of, in the midst of all of the confusion of chapter 14, here's the one thing I'm absolutely positive about. The purpose of the gift of tongues and the purpose of the gifts in general are for the building up of the body of Christ. So that God would be glorified. Period. End of sentence. So you need to have that framework in your mind. We need to be drawing and building the body, edifying each other, restoring each other, bringing life into the body of Christ and to the broken world, all to the building up the body of Christ and the glorification of our Lord and Savior. That's the purpose. And in the middle of all this, there's a lot of tongues going on, like this church that I showed up to. And Paul is going to address how to do that properly. He's going to address what it means to have order in the church. You know what? God is a God of order. And as we come to worship him together, there is order in our midst because that's the character of God. And so he's going to draw us to that. The question is, which tool, which tool, gifts uh, of tongues or of prophecy is best? What's the most loving for building up the body of Christ. For building. You ever try to drive a nail with your tongue? The answer is going to be the tongue is not the best for building the body of Christ. That prophecy is. And so that's what we're going to dive into this morning. A worship service should lift up the Lord. It should build up the saints, not puff up the participants of that. The Corinthian church and some of us, we can be so drawn into the manifestations of the Spirit and so attracted to that that we have to have this this powerful experience in the Spirit that, that we miss loving each other in the middle of it. And we honestly, we miss our Lord in the middle of it. It becomes self-focused. We miss what God's wanting to do with us. Now here's the deal for us, Cole Community Church. 
And this is why it's even a, a difficult passage uh, to teach here, because this isn't our culture, is it? We, we as a church in general, we are not in the culture of speaking in tongues. You do need to be aware that there's, there's literally, uh, if not hundreds, there's, there's a lot of churches in this Treasure Valley where that's a normal practice for them to speak in tongues. And they're brothers and sisters in Christ. And, and so, again, our culture here at Cole, that isn't a normal practice for us. But I do want you to understand, again, what it means to, to enter in, to enter into to loving the Lord and to building up the body of Christ. And as you have brothers and sisters in Christ who speak in tongues, how to love them and to come alongside with them in their journey of faith as well. And so I hope this will be helpful to you as we enter in. So, 14.1, make love your aim, earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. The end of chapter 12 says, desire, go after the greater gifts. And you kind of, when you read that in chapter 12, you go, greater gifts? I didn't, what's going on there? And I think he's, he's, he was ending chapter 12 and he goes right into the love chapter. I think his mind is spinning against one big thought. And he's going, hey, desire the greater gifts. Oh, but you know what? Let me remind you of love's got to be in the middle of this. And then he comes back around. You're getting so caught up, Corinth, in, in these manifestations of the Spirit, and you're missing on loving each other, and things are getting chaotic in your church service, and everybody is frenzied about, do I have this gift, and i got to have this gift. And they were missing love, and he's saying, hey, hey, your focus is so much on the gift of tongues, but quite honestly, that's not the, that's not the greater gift. And greater, to me, really has the idea of most beneficial gift. What's most beneficial to the body of Christ, to the building of the body? What's most beneficial, and Paul's going to be very clear, prophecy is most beneficial. Desire spiritual gifts is good. I want you to, to, to ask the Lord to give you gifts so that you can build up the body of Christ and fulfill love. The gift of tongues was meant to build up the body of Christ, as well as all the other gifts. I want you to go after the gifts. I want you to be used of God. I want you to influence the community. I want you to influence the city that you're in, as God is empowering you to love and build up the body of Christ. But I pray that you especially would seek after and ask the Lord for prophecy. Well, what's prophecy? That word kind of throws us in today's culture, doesn't it? We, we think, oh, it's, it's somebody who's you know, standing up. We, we picture Elijah. We got this just guy with this incredible beard, and he's just raspy and, and powerful. God has said. And we think it's a, a prophetic message of the future, of the events, of what's to come. That's, that's a prophet, and that's a word of God. Prophecy, I think, plays out differently. Prophecy is, is the idea, William Barclay says, it's, 
It's the, it's the idea of, of forth-telling. Speaking forth the mind of God, speaking forth the counsel of God, or His will, the message of the Lord. Prophecy. Basically, bringing truth into a situation. As God has given you revelation about that. Quite honestly, how does that play out today? I think it plays out, if anywhere, from a pastor who is expositing scriptures and bringing it. And oftentimes, as, as shepherds, as we bring truth, we, we ask the Lord, Lord, tell us what you want for this body. Actually, we do that always. Sometimes it's, it's real powerful where God just really speaks to us and, hey, bring this message to this body called Community Church. It's foretelling. It's the mind and will of God, but the reality is we have that in the scriptures. And then sometimes God will place his hand upon individuals and the spirit will really be manifest and it will, it will penetrate people's hearts. Prophecy. It's not being Elijah up here. It's speaking forth the mind and will of God. I pray, Paul says, that you would seek after that. I want you to go after that to bring forth the mind and will of God. Because, verse 2, for the one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God. I want you to, I want you to underline that part, but to God. This has been pretty significant for me in my study of this passage. I don't know, you know, where you've come at uh, in your understanding of tongues, but... I've always wondered, you know, how does it exactly play out? You know, is it, is it a message that's, that's spoken to the body? I'm speaking in some unknown language, and, and all of a sudden that's to be an exhortation to the body of Christ to, you know, grow or draw near to God. What's it all about? And in my study, and this is where I'm at right now in my study. Like I said, this is a difficult passage, but this is where I'm at now. For the one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God. I think the gift of tongues is to be worshiping our Lord. And then properly done, that would be interpreted. And that message would go out to the body of Christ about our praise of God and who he is and his character and his awesomeness and his incredible love for us but we're speaking to God. You see, in Acts chapter 2 at Pentecost, do you remember that scene? All of a sudden, the Holy Spirit comes upon the disciples. And Acts chapter 2 says this, and this is, this is again where we kind of get confused. We kind of go, what's happening? All of a sudden, the disciples are speaking in tongues, and people from all different cultures who are there worshiping they are hearing the disciples in their own language. They're understanding what the disciples are saying. But here's what Acts chapter 2 says very clearly. And they heard the disciples magnifying God. Tongues are to build up the body of Christ in magnifying 
our Lord. And Peter is sent over to Cornelius' house. And he leads Cornelius' family to God. And in Acts 10, 46, it said the people that were there in the courtyard, they were amazed because they understood. And here was Peter, and here was the family, and they were magnifying God in a language that they understood. I think we can't miss that in our understanding of tongues. It's not just to be gibberish thrown out there. I don't really believe that it's meant to be this, here I have a message from God, and let's translate it, and here's the message to you, the church family. I don't think so. I think it's so that you may know the character of God on a deeper level and his amazing love for you and all that he's doing in your life to pursue after you. That's what I think the gift of tongues is for. I want you to speak in tongues and to seek the gifts, but I want you more to do prophecy. Prophecy builds up the body of Christ more, this this foretelling of the mind of God, which we have in his word as well. 14.3, what does it do? What does prophecy do for us? Well, it builds people up. The, the Greek word has the idea of to build a house. It, it gives you a, a foundation. Prophecy, when, it, when a word from the Lord of truth, it, it lays a foundation for you. And so when I prophesy, or when someone in the church family prophesies, gives you the truth, the mind of God, it lays a foundation. Sometimes a foundation of, do you remember who you are? Do you know your identity? That you are transformed? That you're a new creation in Christ? That you're a child of God? It speaks forth the truth about who you are and lays that foundation. Do you remember what Jesus did for you? And that you've been saved? As you've placed your faith in him, you no longer shall perish, but you shall have life. That's foundation. I want you to more so prophesy because it gives you truth of the foundation of who you are. It builds the house. He says it strengthens you. It's it's the idea, uh, the word there is actually the paraclete, which is the Holy Spirit. And that's one of the truths about the Spirit, right? He's one who strengthens you. This Christian journey of ours is challenging. We're faced with all kinds of things in this world that we're, we're struggling with. And so we cry out, Abba, Father. And the Holy Spirit comes in and strengthens us. I want you to speak prophecy because it builds the house and because it strengthens you and because it comforts you. Reminds you again of who our Lord is. Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come to me, all you who are heavy burdened, take my yoke upon you, for my yoke is light. I will give you rest, rest for your soul. That's what prophecy does. And again, in today's culture, I really don't think it's some magical thing up here. 
God can use you and give you the gift of prophecy to speak forth the truth of the Lord, the mind and will of the Lord, to build up your brothers and sisters in Christ and to to minister to those who are lost and broken. Don't think for a second that you haven't been given that gift. It's not just for some special people who have the title pastor. To each one, each one has been given a manifestation of the Spirit. At least one. I think because God is so full of abundance, I think he pours it out on us. That's why prophecy is better for building. You see, he who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. And see, this is where it gets tricky. In my, just again, my study and trying to understand. And, and uh, yeah, you know, it's interesting. You, you talk to pastors, you're like, hey, what are your thoughts on this passage? Like, this is the answer pretty much 90% of the time. Oh, that's a tough one. <laughs> it's a tough one. Because it is. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. Paul understood that there's something, there's something in, in speaking in a tongue. And this is, this is, again, where I don't know exactly what was taking place. I don't know if there was some sort of thing for Paul and the people in Corinth where they would enter into a tongue that would be, if you want to call it, a, a just a, a spirit prayer language with God, if we can call it anything. It wasn't the proper use of tongues in the church, but there was something going on in their spirit where they were coming before God and their spirit was connecting with God in praise. There, there was some benefit to their soul. Like they, I get the idea like they knew they knew they were worshiping God and their spirit was full. But again, they, they didn't know what they were uttering. They didn't quite know what was happening, but they, they were experiencing the Lord in some, honestly, just some, some incredible spiritual way that I don't think we can define. And that's the one thing I want us to be careful of. I don't want us to put God in a box like, here's how gifts are to be used, and this is the only way that gifts can be used. Um, I think that's a dangerous thing to do. Because if God's going to get in touch with your spirit, and he's going to draw you near, he, he can do that in any way he wants. Um, so I think Paul experienced that personally. Actually, I know he did, because he says, I spoke in tongues. It edifies you. But this is why we can't forget the the big framework. The purpose of the spiritual gift of tongues, like any gift, is for what? The common good. And the building up of the body of Christ. So whatever was happening in this conversation with the Lord, I don't know if I could say that was the spiritual gift of tongues. Because... It didn't, it didn't build up the family together. It was a personal deal. I hope that makes a little bit of sense. And again, I'm still chewing on that with you. I want you to, to speak in tongues, for, uh, chapter 5. 
or verse 5, excuse me. I want you to speak in tongues is good, but even more to prophesy. That's the, that's the whole framework of this chapter. To build, you need to prophesy. That's what's beneficial to the body. He who prophesies is greater, more beneficial, than he who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets, so that the church may be edified. Basically what he's saying is tongues alone, tongues alone does not build up the body of Christ. It couldn't be more clear. It doesn't do it. That's not what edifies. That not, that's not what pours out love. It doesn't, it doesn't give concern to what's happening in the church family. And so it does not build up. If, if brethren, verse 6, I came to you speaking in tongues, how shall I benefit you unless I bring you some revelation or knowledge or prophecy or teaching? He's saying, I want to be bringing you revelation. You see, Paul encountered Jesus on the road to Damascus. He has revelation from the Lord himself. I want to bring that to you. Or I, I want to bring you knowledge. Paul had an incredible knowledge of the Old Testament and to... to to bring the whole picture to light. I want to prophesy, to bring truth. I want to just teach you what God has to say in His good word. And He's saying, if I'm speaking in a tongue, none of that happens. You'll be like Rod Ritchie in that church going, huh? What is going on? I, I, I haven't learned a thing about the Lord, and I'm more confused than ever about what's taking place. To simply stand up and speak in tongues did not benefit the body of Christ. And then he goes in, in verses 7 through 9, he says, like, like an instrument, like a flute or a harp. You know, I was thinking about those instruments. Those, those particular instruments are to, aren't they to like soothe the soul? They calm you, don't they? They really minister music with a harp and a flute. It, it's always, ah, it's restful. But if it's not playing in tune, it's just randomly doing a strum, I don't get it. It doesn't flow to my heart. I don't understand it. Or like the, the horn. The horn is supposed to be the call to battle. Even if you were to make a call to battle, we're in a spiritual battle, aren't we, in this church? And in, in the church at large? If there was a call to battle, you wouldn't even know that there was a call to battle. It's not clear. And with all the languages, there's all these languages all around the world, yet if I don't speak in that which is clear, we become, and this is key, we become foreigners one to another. What was the major problem in Corinth at the beginning as we studied uh, the church? Do you remember? What's the problem? Division. Division. There's no unity in the body of Christ. When I come and I speak in a tongue and nobody understands, we become foreigners one to another and there's more division in the body of Christ. And he's basically saying it doesn't help anybody. There's all these languages. I know you desire these spiritual gifts, but strive to build up the church, the body of Christ. 
It'd be like this summer, Lord willing, we're going to the Ukraine. And it'd be, it'd be like if I came and let's say there's all these high school students and I started to stand up here with all these Ukrainian students and just say to them, man, let me tell you what God did in my life. As he, as he brought me out of prison and a lifestyle of drugs, I have this fake testimony. It's more powerful, you know? And, and as, he, as, he, as he did all this work in me, and, and this is what God did, and, and you need to know that same Jesus. And so now I want you to, to receive, I want you to know that God loves you right where you're at. I want you to know that He died for your sin. You don't have to... You don't have to get all cleaned up before you enter into the shower. God wants you right where you're at. And so I say, now come. Let's pray together and receive Jesus Christ. It would be exactly like this. Crickets. They'd be like, we're foreigners one to another. You just did this incredible thing and yet, in a, in a language I have no understanding of. And so it does us no good. Do you understand? And Paul's saying, I don't want that to be the case. I want you to love each other. I want you to be aware of your brother and sister. There's nothing wrong with tongues, but tongues by itself does not if anyone, verse 13, speaks in a tongue, he should pray for the power to interpret that tongue. If I pray in a tongue, verse 14, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. Paul, again, a brother that we trust, a, a brother who has given us the word of God, has drawn close to God in tongues in some form. He understands it. He's sensitive to it. He has drawn near. But he's still saying, in that, my mind is unfruitful. There's, there's this connection with God going on, but yet I don't understand it. And for the body of Christ, that doesn't build up. It edifies self, but for the body of Christ, it doesn't build up. So what am I to do, verse 15? Well, basically, the answer is, I need to, to do that, pray in the spirit, and also pray in the mind. I need to, to, if God moves me to speak in tongues, then there needs to be one who interprets that. As I'm glorifying God, I need that to be poured out in a language that's understood so that the body of Christ may be built up as they know the beautiful nature of their Lord as we magnify him together. It's to love the outsider. It's to care for the brothers and sisters, to build them up. Louez l'éternel. Que de tout mon être, je joue l'éternel. Je veux louer l'éternel. Tant que je vivrai, je célébrerai mon Dieu et mon Dieu. De tant que je serai sur terre. Ne placez vos votre foi dans les puissances du monde, ni dans des humains incapables de savoir de qui le poussait leur dernier super retournement à la terre. 
est au même instant leur projet sur vos naissons. Heureux le homme qui a pour et appui le Dieu de Jacob et donc à l'espérance et dans les teneurs son Dieu. Amen. Exactly. How will you benefit your brothers and sisters in the body of Christ if you speak forth the word of God and they cannot enter in and say amen? So be it, God. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, O my soul. I will praise the Lord all the days of my life. I will sing praise to my God as long as I live. That was that passage. Psalm 146. Tongues in the church. I thank God that I speak tongues more than all of you. Nevertheless, now this is key. Look at verse 18. Nevertheless, in the church, in the church, for the church family, when we have a corporate gathering, in this church body, I can't have you miss location on this one. The way that God has set it up, that the Lord has set up His church family, is so that the church would be built up And so in the church, I would rather speak five words with my mind, basically prophesy, in order to instruct others and 10,000 words in a tongue. Paul may have spoken tongues. We, we, we searched the question, where, where did Paul speak in tongues? He may have spoken in tongues. He would go to the synagogues often. And the Jews would be there, but there would also be those who would come that would be visiting And to be one who came in and spoke in another language the truth about God, that was a powerful thing. So he may have spoken in tongues in the synagogues to have impact in the synagogue. Part of what we're going to see is that the speaking of tongues is a sign for the Jews. It's a warning for the Jews. So let's get into that. Verse 20. Brethren, don't be children in your thinking. Be babes and evil. But in your thinking, be mature. I, I think he's calling them to grow up in, in their understanding of the gifts. He may be speaking, there was, pagan, there was pagan religions going on where there was all kinds of utterances. And I think he's saying, hey, just because people are uttering things doesn't mean they're of God. So be aware of those things. Verse 22, 21 and 22. In the law it is written, by men of strange tongues and by the lips of foreigners, I will speak to this people and they will not listen to me, says the Lord. Thus, tongues are, look, look, tongues are a sign not for believers, but for unbelievers. While prophesying is not for unbelievers, but for believers. I'm not sure if he can make it any more clear. There to be a sign. Especially to the Jews. He uses this Isaiah 28 passage where God was saying, my people, my people are going to rebel against me 
And what's going to happen is, is that all of a sudden, this, we are the people of Israel, we're the Jews, we have God's favor. All of a sudden, that's going to the Gentiles. And you're going to start hearing Gentile languages, tongues. And it's to be a warning to the Jews as tongues are spoken. And it's hopefully to convict their heart. It happened in Acts chapter 2. Remember, they were pierced to the core. A lot of those people were Jews. Pierced to the core. It is to be used to minister as a as God is magnified, always knowing that there's those around who are unbelievers, always knowing that there's people who are coming into the church family. You know, again, we never assume that all of you in this room know Jesus Christ. He uses a couple words. He says, you know, when the, when the unbeliever or it's actually the word is the inquirer, the one who's searching out. The one whose heart is right there. When they come into church and everybody's speaking in a tongue, everybody's speaking in a tongue, they think they're mad. It's craziness to them. The law of love says this, I'm concerned about those who don't know Jesus. And I'm concerned about those who are searching And so we want to speak truth into their life. That Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sin. That he rose again. That if you believe in him, you shall not perish but have life everlasting. I don't want people to be confused about that, Paul says. It's a sign. And it's to minister. And if we're all speaking in tongues... We don't build up the body of Christ and we don't love those brothers and sisters and we don't love those who are coming in and searching out because they're looking for life. And so I pray that you would prophesy, speak the mind and the will of God so that he might be glorified in the church. You can say amen to that. Let me just do kind of big pull away out of this chapter. I think the gift of tongues is still present today. I don't think God just got rid of it. I think it it is, you know, as you talk to missionary, I mean, there's just moments where God is using tongue to glorify him and people, people are magnifying God with it. So I don't think it's disappeared. I do not believe that having the gift of tongues is some sort of indicator that you're closer to God, that you've received some sort of second blessing from the Lord. And at the same time, it doesn't indicate, if you don't have the gift of tongues, that you're missing something. There's a lot of that teaching that flows out there. You haven't received the extra blessing from the Lord. I don't know. Scripture's told me I've received every spiritual blessing from God. I think we must be careful in all of, all of the spiritual gifts, but especially tongues and, and anything that, that, that look like miracle gifts. I think we have to be very careful that we are not drawn to this 
manifestation, this experience of the Spirit. Because what happens when all of a sudden we become drawn and our focus becomes, I need to experience God this way. I think, honestly, we miss Jesus in the middle of that and what he's doing in our lives. Be careful of seeking after, i got to have the experience. It's fine to want that. I want that. I want to, probably like you, I want to feel God. But be careful of being drawn so much to the manifestation of the Spirit and miss the one who gave us the gifts in the first place. And with all of the gifts that each one of you has received, that we use the gifts to build up the body of Christ, which fulfills the law of love. Let's pray. Father, um, again, this is, a, this is a passage that you know I've been wrestling with you on, just trying to understand it. And uh, Lord, I pray that in our midst uh, that we would search the scriptures to, to know what you have for us uh, concerning the spiritual gift of tongues and how it plays out in the church family and, and the use of it. But I just want to thank you that you've given us gifts and you have given some of us the gift of tongues. And Father, uh, we want our gifts to be used and we want to bless you and we want to build up the body of Christ. And Father, I pray that there would not be division in our midst because we're jealous of others' gifts. You gave us the gifts to build up for the common good. And so, Father, may we continue to earnestly seek after the spiritual gifts that we would ask you to bless us and that, that you would open our eyes to see how you want to use us for your kingdom. We love you, Lord Jesus, and we thank you for this family. May your kingdom be magnified. May you, O oh God, be glorified. In your precious name, amen.